Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everything in between, welcome to another edition of The Ryan Show FM. If you're a new listener and read about us on Yahoo Finance, what are you doing on Yahoo Finance reading about The Ryan Show? It's amazing these guys picked up our press release, but I digress. There's a lot of good stuff going on this week. We're learning about MLK Jr. Historian Joseph Hill makes his return. We've been dealing with some audio difficulties, but it's like we say here in showbiz, the show must go on. Sometimes you really do break a leg out here. You got to find a way to keep it going. And that's what tonight is. But there's so much information packed into this first hour. It's going to be worth sticking around and joining us for the second hour. We're playing this week's edition of What's Going On, which airs every Sunday at 8 a.m. Eastern on Fox Sports 1280 Rochester. That's myself and host Nate Brown Jr. arguing about sports. Sometimes we talk about society as well. You'll hear tonight we had David K. Johnson one of these anti-Trump writers. He's got, he's made a tremendous amount of, uh, of success off of bashing Trump. Like many. Like many, and you really can't blame him. Uh, also, we had Infamadeus on this week's show, our pal Infamadeus. So stick with us, stay tuned, go nowhere. Lots of great music brought to you by DJ Khalil. This is The Ryan Show FM, and we... Take, don't be fooled. Two rappers wanna tempt me. I'll break the stairship and leave them empty. 
Cause they can't go So I'ma call a hotel truck To go tow truck you each side show Back on the scene is the incredible one-man team When I get mad I turn green The fugitive's gone, peace I'm out of here later And there's a finger To all your non-moving spectators You up, I take a hit from a split, then I get biz with the new cut. Because I can jam like Teddy if you let me. A good fellow, but still rugged like Joe Pesci. My style is mad fucker to the delic with the irrelevant ish. Then I kick back, flip, send me full chips. Lift up, then I dip, then I switch. Doing the crust, the nigga with the nigga nine on the hip. I always got played by a honey dip, but now I'm on the money tip, so now I call the honey dip honey. And I swing hardcore because that's where I come from. I rock it like Chubb and burn scrubs like a dumb dumb. Remember Red Man last album, I was Hardcore, now I'm back to tear the frame out your ass Cause I get wrecked with the tech, with the blend of my wet And what you see is what you get, and what you get in this shit Hit you with the funk, the five figure Like eight plus funk, funk type stuff in your back trunk punk. Yes, the red man, that's what they call me Wicked with the style, you think I have cerebral palsy Like, ah, cause I freak the styles crazy Lullaby is stupid and ass The funkadella devil hit your ass With the level from the new school And still holding my jewels We made it. We really made it. We, we are indeed here. here. This is another broadcast of the Ryan Show FM, and it is a great honor to be here to learn to open up our minds. Every so often, we fill our minds with junk food on this program. Those horrible Italians that came on last week, they're stereotyping Italians and making a mockery of us, Joseph Hill. <laughs> but we're going to get into all types of, uh, of fixing of the stereotypes and making sure that history is written down the right way, especially when our own historian, Joseph Hill, joins us on this program. Welcome back. Joseph, it is good to have you here for 2023. Hey, happy new year to you and the audience. And happy belated MLK Day to the audience out there listening. Like okay. I mentioned, there is quite a bit of junk food on this program, but today we are going to be enlightened. I've got some questions for you, Joseph, ones that I've needed answered since I was a wee boy. Okay. Yeah, I checked out the questions, and I have more to add, but go ahead. Let's go. <laughs> Especially these days, because I feel like a lot of these murders that happened in the 60s i think there were the there were big four murders of significant people that had true sway on public opinion in the 1960s to me jfk rfk malcolm x and the great mlk and as a conspiracy theorist which by the way not as many people are calling me a conspiracy theorist these days but something kind of always rubbed me the wrong way about it whenever these influential men are taken out so why don't we start there with the assassination of this great man. Because I know that's what a lot of people are asking these days. There's apparently 500 oh, by unsealed... The way, by the way, there were others. Uh, we can't forget Megger Evers down in Mississippi, who was killed uh, in his driveway. And if we want to look internationally, we can talk about Patrice Lumumba um, in Africa. But anyway, let you know, there were more than those four. So we're getting somewhere, though. We are but getting some of these... That, that was my... You know, that was my youth, man. I grew up with assassinations. So let's start here. Do you think that there is anything suspicious 
about the murder of MLK, was it maybe more than one person involved? Um, yeah, I think that uh, I don't think that James Earl Ray was the sole perpetrator uh, of Dr. King's uh, assassination. And let me be clear here. Um, and, and we'll get into it as we get deeper into what I want to say about Dr. King, particularly the last year of his life, uh, which is really important. If people understand what he went through that last year and the, there's a coincidence that I'll talk about that something was up. Um, he had angered, I believe, well, he always did, but he really angered the most powerful people in America. And uh, between that um, and King was way more radical than um, he's being portrayed as today. Um, I've got a granddaughter who's 10 years old. She's in fifth grade. And what they, the way they paint Dr. King now, especially the you know, young children who don't know any better, He's like Santa Claus, man. Seriously. I mean, King has become almost non-human. Um, he's kind of a saint. He's been deified, ironically. However, um, I, in fact, I called uh, Dr. King Day America's uh, Hypocrisy Day. Because um, this is the most hypocritical holiday that we have. And I'll expound on that as we talk. Well, before we expound more on that, you mentioned that he angered the higher-ups or the most powerful people in this country. And I mentioned these four guys earlier, RFK, JFK, MLK, Malcolm X. And one thing they did share in common was that they were against the Vietnam War. And they spoke out against the military-industrial complex. I don't know how true it is, but um, you know, all four of these guys were taken out. All four of them had tremendous influence. Does it have anything to do with the military industrial complex? Um, I think in particular, uh, Dr. King and you, and you, you, you hit the, you hit the nail with the hammer when you talked about Vietnam. Um, and I don't know if you're aware of this, um, cause I'm old enough to, I was there. I remember and by the way, I'm going to show you folks, uh, your viewers, a book. Can you see this book? Death of a King. And that's written by Lewis. Uh, by, uh, by Tavis Smiley. Got it. Um, Tavis Smiley. And actually, I'm not a big Tavis Smiley fan. However, I uh, really admire what he did with this book. And by the way, uh, folks, it's a really short read. It's a hundred and some pages. It focuses literally on the last year of Dr. King's life. And if you look at that last year of his life, you'll understand why I call the King holiday America's hypocrisy day. Uh, the man was vilified. By the way, uh, ask me that first question now. The question about Dr. King that you had sent. Do you think that there was more than one person maybe behind the assassination? No, the question about uh, cancel culture. Oh, okay, okay. So, well, this kind of goes hand in hand with what you were talking about earlier, how Dr. Martin Luther King is kind of made out to be like a Santa Claus. Even when I was a kid, it was like he, it was like he had done no wrong whatsoever. 
And now we're seeing th uh, things through kind of a different light with this cancel culture. So now finally, for the first time, I'm hearing all these stories. It seems like people are kind of trying to tarnish the legacy a little bit of MLK, um, which could be a good thing or a bad thing. A good thing to me, because maybe you're kind of humanizing him a bit where he's not this Santa Claus-esque figure. You kind of right. relate to him a little bit more. But right. what do you think? Do you think that cancel culture and that lens of viewing uh, people from the past has changed how we look at Dr. Martin Luther King? Well, here's how I look at cancel culture. And I think the, the term itself, uh, I'm sorry, I think it's a stupid term, me personally. All cancel culture is, is basically we're uh, eviscerating people's rep reputations. We're saying that they don't exist because we don't agree with what they've just said. So basically, I, I live in Minnesota. Okay, in Minnesota... A lot of Scandinavians here. And if you know anything about Scandinavian culture, unlike Italians, when I lived in New York, if you upset somebody, you knew it because they'd come up to you and they'd probably cuss you out. You knew where you were. Here in Minnesota, Scandinavian culture, they shun you. They won't say anything, but they will F you up. And you'll never know it until it's too late. What I'm saying is cancer, cancer culture is another term for ostracizing somebody, okay? Dr. King was a victim of cancer culture in 1967-68, okay? A victim of cancer culture. Like everybody, black and white, privately, people in the media, New York Times, Washington Post, Time Magazine, you name it, they all had something negative to say about Dr. King. Why? Because he gave a speech at the Riverside Church in Manhattan in front of 4,000 people. When he first took the stage, they had a standing ovation for him. Remember, he was a Nobel laureate, and he was the loved man of peace. And what did he say? He eviscerated America for being in Vietnam. He said the Vietnam War was unjust, and he said America was the most violent country in the world. That pissed off a lot of people. But listen to this. The date that he gave that speech at Riverside Church, and all this is in the, the book, The Death of a King. Listen to the date. April 4th, 1967. April 4th, 1968, Dr. King's head was blown off in an assassination in Memphis. I believe it. Really quick, what's the name of this speech for us to reference and check out? Uh, well, it was, if you go to, if his speech at Riverside Church. Riverside and, Church, Martin and, Luther King speaks out against Vietnam. April 4th, 1967. Wow. But I'm so, saying exactly a year to the day he gave that speech, he was a dead man. So you, you're saying that the strange part about that is that it happened so quickly within a year of him turning against the Vietnam War, he was already out, or do you think they, on purpose, murdered him on that day to prove a point? I, I don't know if it was coincidence. Because that's deep. That's a hell of a coincidence. That's a hell of a coincidence. But honestly, you never know. And you hear of all these... But here's uh, the know, other thing, though. Yeah. 
where he was killed, if you, you know, and everybody kind of knows where he was killed and saw him pointing, well, saw Jesse Jackson rather pointing after he had been shot. It was a balcony, right? The Lorraine Motel. Think about this. One of the things that happened to Dr. King after he gave that speech, in, in, in addition to being eviscerated by everyone, black and white, uh, people like uh, Carl Rowan, who was an African, the most famous African American um, columnist at that time, Adam Clayton Powell turned against. I mean, people turned against him. I can remember my father because we used to watch the news together. That's how I became a journalist because my father watched the news, and if I was around the house, he'd make me sit down and watch the news. So we would watch Walter Cronkite CBS. I remember my father being pissed off the day King gave that speech. King was the first famous person, well-known American, to question our involvement in Vietnam. There have been other people who questioned it. There have been people who protested, but King was the one, when King said things, people listened. When King said, this is an immoral war, he had a lot of reasons why he thought we shouldn't have been in the war, why we shouldn't have been killing people in Southwest, Southeast Asia, you know, people of color. And he connected all of that. Anyway, my dad, my dad was the voice of, seriously, on this thing, of every African-American that kept up with civil rights at that time. My father said, what the hell is King doing why is he involved in politics, international politics? He needs to stick to civil rights. This is what a lot of people said. They didn't connect the dots, folks. What Dr. King said about Vietnam directly, and I mean directly connected with the civil rights movement. Lyndon Baines Johnson, LBJ, the most powerful man in the, in the world, really liked Dr. King and considered him a friend and a supporter. But remember, Vietnam was LBJ's war. That's right. LBJ had said to King and others, especially to King, I'm gonna take millions and millions of American dollars and I'm gonna put it in the inner city and it's something we call the Great Society. We're gonna offer jobs to people in the urban community of color. We're going to offer education. We're going to change what's going on in America. And Dr. King was like, that's great. Love it. Well, guess what? All that money that was supposed to go into the inner city in America went to the war in Vietnam. Oh, so that explains it. Now, did he talk about this during that year where he was so yeah, outspoken? He did, and he talked about it specifically in that speech. But a lot of people didn't want to listen, Ryan. You know, there were people who called him a communist. Wow. That's right. He was. Now, technically, wasn't he on that blacklist? Yeah. Wow. I mean, well, well, here's the thing. I do a lecture, and one of these days I, I would love to send it to you and you can play it, but it's an hour long. It's called The Red Summer. Uh, are you aware of The Red Summer? No, to be honest, I'm not aware. What's called The Red Summer is the summer of 1919. Okay. And there were... Oh, yes. we You told me about The Red Summer. That's where it sounds. There were a of so-called 
uh, race riots, which yeah. was basically they were killing black people all over America, just out now killing people. Wow. This was two years before Tulsa was burned, the black community in Tulsa, okay? But here's the thing. One of the excuses for the Red Summer was the same excuse used against Dr. King. It's the same excuse used against, in those days, up until very recently, against any black man, woman, who said anything about the American government. You know what they would say? What was that? Oh, they're communists. The communist influence. Mm. You see, black people, according to these racists, are too stupid. They have thoughts of their own. So it must have been the communist. Edgar mm, 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 mm. Hoover did the same thing with black servicemen who came back from World War One. This is what started the Red Summer. They came back and they wanted their rights. They had fought in Europe. They had been treated like equals in Europe for the, for the most part, first time in, in their history. And when they came back to the United States, they said, okay, same thing that happened in World War II, by the way. But they came back from World War One in 1918 and said, we just did all this fighting for the United States and won this war. We want our freedom here. And you know what people like? And this is when the FBI was first forming. And J. Edgar Hoover, one of the first things out of his mouth was, these are communists. And also, the Bolshevik Revolution, which happened in 1917, when Russian, the Russian monarchy was over, overthrown by communists, by the Lenin and Trotsky wing, okay? scared the bejesus out of capitalists all over the world, including the United States. So they were seeing communists everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, it was just the easy way to trick people back in the day into, you know, canceling right. somebody, essentially, right? That was the original cancel culture word. Before racist, there was communist. Dude, they even had a law that said if you criticize the government, you could be arrested and put in jail, and they did. Under Woodrow Wilson. But anyway, I'm, I'm diverting, and I apologize for that. But yeah, one of the things they said about Dr. King was that he was communist. Wow. Or a communist sympathizer because he was against the war in Vietnam. How did he, he respond to these allegations, though? When, when he was being called a communist during that year when all that criticism was there, how did he respond? Well, he said, prove it. So, yeah, so actively denying it, just yeah. simply denying it, and... yeah. I guess that was, yeah, that was what you do. So so here, but let me go back to his assassination. Where he was assassinated, and I don't know if maybe some of your uh, audience have been, because now it's been made into basically a a monument or a museum, the Lorraine Hotel, the Lorraine Motel. Think about it. One of the things that happened to King in that year was he lost a lot of funding. A whole lot of liberal white folks that were giving money to to SCLC stopped giving money. So they didn't have a lot of money. So think about where King was staying on the night he died. He was staying in a motel that had a balcony. Instead of staying in, say, the Hyatt or a high-end hotel, he was staying in a motel, which made him an easier target for an assassination. Wow. Think about now, why when he's on the road, wasn't he more protect? I guess anybody can have that lapse or that moment or whatever. But was he a was he a target at that point? Was he aware that people were after him? Yeah. Yeah. I think he knew like Malcolm. I think he knew it was a dead man walk. 
And then Why one of your that? questions was about uh, you. You got them in front of you. I hope one of your questions was about what if Dr. King hadn't been assassinated that day? Yeah, that, that was so essentially. Okay. So here's my answer. Yeah. If he wasn't assassinated on April 4th, 1968, he would have been assassinated April 5th. He would have been assassinated May 3rd, September. They were going to kill him. So it didn't really matter whether, I mean, it did matter. But if he wasn't killed on that day, he would have been killed on another day. So on that note, who do you think, from all the research that you've done, all the books you've read, if not James Earl Ray, who was it behind the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr.? I don't have the bandwidth to, to, to say definitively who did it. However, who was really, really, really pissed by that speech at the Riverside Convention? Who was personally offended and pissed off? Lyndon Baines Johnson, the President of the United States. Wow. And he's notoriously one of the worst out there. Actually, he was one of the greatest civil rights presidents we ever had. So I guess in terms of civil rights, he's good, but I guess maybe the you know stand of the <laughs> Vietnam War. <laughs> and... I'm just saying Vietnam, you know, I mean, it's also like schizophrenic. Yeah. If you look at it like the laws that he helped get enabled and what, what he stood for, you're talking about a, a white man from East Texas who yeah. had totally changed. Anyway... As a civil rights president, he did many great things, okay? But think about this. Who benefited from JFK dying? True. Lyndon Baines Johnson. Imagine and by the way, the, the, the Kennedy administration, if you read any books and know anything about the, the rapport between Kennedy, Robert, and John, and LBJ, they treated... LBJ like crap. I mean, they, they called him, I think their nickname for him was something like uh, Senator Cornpoon or something like that. They, you know, as he had the accent, he wasn't well educated compared to them. And they treated him like a ignorant Southern cracker. I mean, was there a more opposite president? JFK? Lyndon right. B. Johnson? Yeah, I know. But LBJ got stuff done, too. He was a master politician. Oh, yeah. I mean, you mentioned that it could be Lyndon B. Johnson. The reason why I wouldn't think it would be him, you wouldn't think. Morning. Like, I always I always am afraid of some type of a shadow government. I feel like more and more people kind of think that, that there's people pulling the strings and that maybe there's not as much power in the hands of the president. So that's where I, I don't know. I was kind of always on the fence to think that maybe it was uh, well, it was generals or, or, or people that have that are benefiting from the funding of these wars that took these guys out. Yeah, I know, I know we're not supposed to curse on your show. So I, I I'll say this, I, you know, and I've heard that theory. My, my son has that theory. I think that's a bunch of Boulder dash, this whole like secret government other. Once again, I guess I'm a realist. Yeah. I need, like I don't believe in ghosts. I need to like see it and touch it. So I'm glad way. you're saying it. I feel so much better because you're the one that's done the research. I'm, the, I'm, I'm listening to these psychopaths on YouTube comments, watching YouTube documentaries from time to time. YouTube I mean, not, you know, I mean, there YouTube has its place, but YouTube and Facebook, if you really want real facts, folks, please don't look at YouTube or Facebook or any social media. 
Don't do that. We're going to go into a little bit of music and get into this, but a little gem to leave them off with. Where can we start looking into history at a reliable source, something that's maybe cited? Should we, should we go to Wikipedia, Joseph? No, a book. We should start open with, a book. Start with Death, Death of the King, and you can always – you know, this is the interesting thing. There's so much information out there. You know, when I give talks, especially to, you know, African-American students, one of the things I get, you know, when I talk about documentaries that I've done or whatever is, oh, they don't teach us that. I'm tired of hearing, oh, they don't teach us that. The information is out there, folks. Um, it's free. It's available. You can research. You can go to the Internet. You can go to this old-fashioned thing called a library and open a damn book. The information is out there. All yeah, I used you need to do is use your brain and search and educate yourself. Don't rely I, on other people to educate you. It's funny. I thought that society would become smarter with the cell phone and an extension of intelligence in our pocket, but it seems that people are microwave learning. And when you know you were growing up, you're going to the library, you're reading an encyclopedia and reading and books I was after having books. conversations. Yeah, I, mean, I hate to sound like an old fogey, but I'm looking at my grandkids and, and everybody. And, you know, people are on either their tablets, their phones. And, you know, my daughter mentioned this because my daughter's kind of a big wig executive. Um, she talked about the people that have interviewed for jobs now coming out of college. They can't interview. People can't talk to other people, man. Yeah. They can't yes. have a conversation. And, and you it makes you wonder. Them, by the way. You poor dudes, learn how to talk to a, a female. Learn how to actually listen to them and talk to them. Or, or now we don't have to. Now it's just a measure. Now we just take no. certain pictures at certain you angles. We swipe left, to, we swipe right. You know, later, you got to be able to talk. You guys have like no rap anymore because you don't know how to do it. Yo, it, I will say this. It is easier that well, I, I, me, I'm, I'm not on the market like that. But there are friends I have, friends that I know. Let's say it's easier than ever because, like you said, the kids these days, they're, they're not used to eye contact. They're not used eye to contact handshakes. and conversation, man. And I know I'm sounding like an old school fogey, but th those things are things of the past. If you can have eye contact in a conversation, you can rule the world. We're going to help everybody out there listening right now. We're going to put on some music to help give you that swag, increase your social capacity today. We've got real music, real info, more info on MLK. And Joseph Hill is going to be with us when we return. Don't go anywhere, folks. This is indeed The Ryan Show FM, and we will be back. Are you fearing the change in the temperature that often comes with colds, flus, and worse, COVID-19? Well, this is where miso ginger tea can literally change your life. Drinking one miso ginger tea has prevented me from getting sick ever since I started drinking it over six years ago. This is Ryan Vernell, American radio personality and drinker of miso ginger tea. I held this secret close for many, many years, but now that I'm on the payroll, it's time to let the world know. Go to Miso Ginger Tea right now at MisoGingerTea.com and order up a batch. Tell them that the Ryan Show sent you. Follow them on Instagram at Miso Ginger Tea. This winter, be like me and slam some tea. What's up, party people? Ryan Vernell here. Fun fact, if I spend money on food, there's only one place I do so outside of Trader Joe's. 
That's the rolling joint food truck. Why? Because it's the greatest food I've ever tasted in my life. I prayed to God asking for a cheese sauce and God delivered. Dope sauce. It's the greatest sauce you'll ever taste in your life. Mix it with bacon jam. You've got yourself a full body orgasm. The rolling joint food truck is located at 3333 Sunrise Highway in Wontog. Where is that? Right off of Sunrise Highway 27. Head west. It's on the right side of the road. You can't miss them. A big green food truck with weed leaves all over it and flags just announcing that they're huge potheads and that they're obviously making the greatest food ever when you stop by give my personal favorite sandwich there a try that's the hippie chicken a chicken sandwich deep fried and coated in corn pops it's insane all my long island people meet us at the rolling joint food truck 3333 sunrise highway in wantog that's friday and saturday 5 30 p.m till 12 30 a.m and sunday 5 30 p.m to 11 30 p.m let's smoke fly and i'll see you there and we are back. This is the Ryan Show FM. Thank you for joining us on whatever radio station you are listening on at the moment. Our friend, historian, journalist, Joseph Hill, joins us. We're learning more about Martin Luther King Jr., the facts. We're pulling the veil back. We're putting the mask off. It's a beautiful day here on the Ryan Show FM. And we're going to get right into it, Joseph. I have a question for you. We talked a little bit about Jesse Jackson being there at the scene. People try to liken him some would say he's almost like a modern MLK, but from your perspective, is there a modern-day MLK? Is it even possible? No. And why is that? Um, I don't think anybody has the, let me use a big word, gravitas. Mm. I don't think that there's anybody who has the gravitas of a, of a Malcolm X or Dr. Martin Luther King, um, because of way, the way our modern society is, is geared. And, you know, I really think that King was not in it for the dollar, was not in it for the fame. Um, he was actually a true prophet. We talk about him angering people. If you know anything about prophets, and I'm talking about all the way from the Bible to modern times, Prophets tell the truth. They also anger people. I think we got people now who basically are Charlotte. I mean, there are people who want to be famous, who want to be Big Willie, but no, they they don't. I, I think this is just my opinion. Sincerity, man. Like, tell them the truth. Like, not looking for the dollar, not looking for the fame, but looking for the truth. How many people do we have like that in you mentioned that he started Martin Luther King started running out of money towards the end. And maybe if he had some more money and some more, I don't want to say fame, but just grip over his PR. Yeah. Some support. Maybe that's why some of these guys focus on that. I'm trying to think, because like you said, sincerity, I don't want to say it's a lack of sincerity from guys like Al Sharpton, Jesse Jackson standouts in modern day civil rights. It just seems that the odds against Martin Luther King no, back then. There were quite a few people who were not Al Sharpton fans, you know. And back in the day, I wasn't, you know, he really got tied up with Tawana Brawley and, and that, all of that mess. But, I mean, I watch him now on Morning Joe. I think he's a very sincere, you know, he calls it the way he sees it. And I think he's a, a really sincere brother. Um, but, you know, it's sort of like, Will there be another, you know, I mean, there's LeBron, there's Michael. I mean, I don't know if people can, you know, maybe someday people can, you know, duplicate 
uh, Dr. King. But Dr. King came up, if you look at people who exhibited greatness, it's the time and the place, and it's, you know, you have to be in the right place at the right time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and he was at the right place at the right time. Um, and he kind of knew, I mean, Dr. King knew he was going to be a dead man for a long time. I think that's another thing with prophets. If you know anything about prophets, uh, going back to John the Baptist, you know, John the Baptist knew he was a dead man. You know, anytime you call out the king or the authorities, um, you're in trouble. And that includes Jesus, who also knew he was going to die. Is there somebody in today's society that's making such waves that you think he has to watch his back? That you think he's, he's, he's saying such off-cuff or off-color information that's going to have a change on society and the government is going to want to actually do something about it? No. And maybe that's another thing. I feel like there's not any pressing issues like that. Like, is there another group of people that's going through it? I mean, there are plenty of pressing issues and, you know, there, there, uh, I don't know if you know who uh, Greta uh, Thunberg is, the, the young, what is she? Yes. Yes. She speaks out against, uh, against uh, global warming. Climate. Yeah. Climate, you know, climate justice. She was just arrested in, um, She's 19 now, but she was... She's 19. I was going to say, what is she, six? She's 19 now, believe it or not. But anyway, she was just arrested, uh, I want to say it was someplace in England, but they just arrested her and put her in jail. I mean... You can't make it up. Maybe that was Andrew Tate and his people. It's like the war of the shadow governments now. Wow. Uh, Anyway, back back to King, too. You were saying that, you know, in reading this book, I mean... I don't know if a lot of people know this. King both drank and smoked. He drank that. He liked vodka and orange juice, and he smoked cigarettes. He just didn't do it in public. I mean, I the guy that. was not a saint. And he also, you know, talking about King, you know, you know he liked women. I was going to say, I heard that Martin Luther King had that dog in him. JFK and Robert, yeah. Yeah, no, he... You know, I mean, I don't know if I'd call it the dog, but yeah, he was a dog. He also <laughs> was very well dressed. If you ever look at the hats he wore, and you look at he always had on a suit. Um, you know, that was cultural, and it was for the time. But he was always well dressed. I mean, you know, if you want to look at King, you could say he was a player. You think about it. You know, he had the hat, he had the suit. And a whole lot of ladies admired him. It's also a weird thing, because I'm Catholic, but there's that weird thing about ministers being supposedly untouchable and then that attraction to women, because it's like, oh, that's a minister. I'm not supposed to, like, have these thoughts and go after him. And then, you know, um, I don't know if your audience or you would remember there was a song by Roberta Flack called Reverend Lee. My, my point is, is anytime you tell people um, you can't do something, that makes that something that much more attractive. So if you say somebody is a man of the cloth, you can't touch, uh, what do you think is going to happen? We're going to go to a quick break, handle these audio issues, wrap things up. There's a few more questions. We're going to play the song, Reverend Lee. Who do you say this is written by? Uh, it's, I don't know if it was written by, but it was performed by Roberta Flack. Roberta Flack. 
Reverend we're going to come back, wrap things up, and then we have a special edition of the Ryan Show FM today because we're playing last week or this week's episode of What's Going On. We're cross-collaborating. We want everybody in this country to hear what's going on in hopes they pick it up for 2023. So this is a very special edition of the Ryan Show FM. It's a cross-collaboration, a cultural infusion of what's going on into the Ryan Show. So stay with us, folks. We will be back. This is a song about a very big, strong, black, sexy, Southern Baptist minister who thinks that he has his program all together until he runs up against a lady who shows him that he ain't got it together. His name is Reverend Dr. Lee. Reverend Lee. He went to the water And he prayed to the Lord About old Satan's daughter, yeah It seems in a dream, child While he lay sleeping She climbed in bed starts rubbing and weeping all oh, she was twisting and turning she was begging and pleading loving and burning panting and breathing <sighs> Reverend Lord knows I love you, child I will not even place God above you Reverently He lifted his arms high Said, heaven Touch me, oh, my mind is so hazy, Lord, my body is hungry, oh, yeah. I roll the thunder, then heard the lightning, he Petition. Just then the devil emerged from the water And he said in a dry voice Your God will not bother Reverently 
Hey everybody, this is Ryan Vernell speaking. Do you have big dreams? Are you looking to one day own your own business, car, a house, or something that is simply out of your price range? Well, in order to do so, you need a good credit score. It doesn't matter if you have a terrible credit score or if you're just looking to improve your credit score, you need to go to an agency that you can really trust. 1PR Credit Solutions is exactly that. Based out of New York City, I've seen firsthand what 1PR Credit Solutions is capable of. Now, here's the real good news. Go to their website, oneprcredit.com, and get a completely free credit analysis. Or if you're sitting on Instagram right now, scrolling around, go to at 1PR Credit and send them a DM. Or just call them direct at 718-687-7079. One more time, that's 718-687-7079. And be sure to tell them that Ryan sent you and you'll get the special treatment. It doesn't matter if you have good credit. We'll make it even better. If you have bad credit, well, don't worry. We'll make it less lousy. What are you waiting for? Hit up 1PR Credit Solutions now and tell them the Ryan Show sent you. And... We're back. We're celebrating MLK Day here on the Ryan Show FM as we get ready to play this week's edition of What's Going On. Joseph Hill is still with us as we wrap up our conversation about the great Martin Luther King Jr. And Mr. Hill, I must ask this as we end our conversation. What would you consider to be the most overlooked accomplishments of MLK? Um, The fact... That he connected, you know, and I mean, I'm, I got a theme going here. The fact that he connected the economy, economics, financial inequality with the civil rights movement. Um, in other words, it wasn't all about, and he, he actually helped get several, at least two major laws passed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the voting rights bill was one of them. Um, but I think the fact you got to remember when Dr. King was assassinated, what was he doing? He was in Memphis and he was supporting garbage workers who were striking in Memphis. He really connected the dots when it came to e- the economy and civil rights. Ah. It was all connected. Yeah, which One is more huge. Real quick thing, and for a lot of you folks, especially you're in Long Island, you're in the North, in places that I call the lynching states, which were those 13 states that were part of the Confederacy that killed more black folk and more other people than any other part of the country, the lynching states, guess what? In Alabama, to this day, in Alabama and Mississippi, do you know what that day, Monday, the King Day, is called? What's that? called King Lee Day. And who's King Lee? Martin Luther King and Robert E. Lee, the Confederate general. They celebrate them both the same day, folks, right now. This is in Alabama? Mississippi and Alabama. Wow. So they must have, that's it, that, that we officially have the wackest state in the Union. Alabama. And I don't want to bash these guys, but but it's also technically, if I'm not mistaken, the lowest education. I think oh, those yeah. are the two I mean, lowest they, educations. They, they, you know, Alabama's like, well, you see what's going on with Jack and Jackson with with the water that black people can't have real water in the state capital, by the way, of Jackson, Mississippi, named for Andrew Jackson and other races. But anyway, King Lee Day and King Lee Day used to be in a bunch of states. It used to be in Virginia. Arkansas, Georgia, Texas, they finally kind of got away with, got rid of it. But Alabama and Mississippi, both those states, still, they call it King Lee Day. 
They actually honor Robert E. Lee, a traitor, and a man who fought, who helped fight a war to keep people enslaved and also was responsible for hundreds of thousands of other Americans dying. Is there a, is there a, a general or a confederate with better PR? How is it that growing up they in New York... PR. No, no, I mean, Robert Lee is like looked up to, even in New York. I remember being no. a kid and people worshiping Robert E. Lee. What the hell's going on? It used to be uh, Lee, Lee Jackson Day. Stonewall Jackson also is another revered. All those guys, think of all of our forts. Fort Bragg, a bunch of forts in there still have the name of Confederate generals. The Civil War is still going on in the minds of some of those races. The lost cause. They'll tell you that the war wasn't about slavery, which is a lie. They'll tell you that the law that the South never lost, which is a lie. They they don't even call it the Civil War. They call it the War of Northern Aggression. So we're living in the Confederate States of America. I don't understand. How did we uh, How do we lose that one? Where's the logic there? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I just don't get it. All right. So uh, once again, we're wrapping things up here on uh, uh, on uh, our belated MLK Day celebration and. Another thing, we mentioned this earlier, the legacy of MLK. It's changed as things go on. We learn more about MLK. There's people on both sides politicizing history now, it seems. But what do you think now in terms of, uh, of like, I wouldn't like, I guess preserving the actual truth and impact of MLK, what can be done? You mentioned the kids now think he's like Santa Claus. Is that a good thing or a bad thing, in your opinion? Uh, personally, I think it's a bad thing. It's one more distortion of history. Um, and I'm going to tell you what, folks, if, if you want to read some amazing writing and listen to some amazing speeches in your head, read anything that Dr. King had to say. The man was a poet. I mean, it, it reads like the, the, the Bible. I mean, his use of words is just he was an absolute genius. You know, he was a child prodigy. You know, he went to college when he was like 13 or 14. He was in. Wow. Oh, Dr. King was way, he was a brilliant man. And here's another thing, folks, both Malcolm X and Dr. King never lived to see the age of 40. It's insane. You gotta remember Dr. King was 39 years old when he was assassinated. He was still a young man, relatively. 39 years old when he was assassinated. Yeah. That is absolutely insane to think that he made that much of a mark in all that time. So, um, wow, so a lot to he yo, didn't live that long, but what he did still resonates to this day. So, recently, a statue was unveiled this year on Martin Luther King Day, right? A lot of people were offended by it. If you look at it from a certain angle, it kind of looks a little graphic, I guess. If you know, but you can look at anything from a certain angle, it looks a little bit graphic. What do you think about this uh, statue that came out? Do you think it's appropriate? Do you think people are making a big to-do about nothing? How about you? We're going to pull this up on the screen for people to see. What are your thoughts on this uh, this Martin Luther King statue in Boston? I think it's beautiful, man. I think it's art. It's, it's two like, arms uh, embracing each other. To those that are on the people, radio listening. But people are like, instead of focusing on that, folks, why don't you focus on the inequality that's going on in this country right now? The things that Dr. King focused on, economic inequality, inequality in education, the fact that in certain 
lynching states that are now burning books. In states like Florida, you got that idiot, Ron DeSantis, they're banning books. Why don't you focus on that instead of like going crazy over a statue? You know, people are looking at the wrong shining object. Right. <laughs> people are these sick thoughts, really. Well, I got to look into these books that are being banned down in Florida. That's news to me. By the way, all the books on the book. Well, you know, uh, there's some uh, amazing books that now they're saying, oh, children shouldn't read. So they're banning books uh, from kids. They're banning books in schools. Okay. You know, they even, you know, I mean, look what Ron DeSantis is doing in Florida. Yet Ron DeSantis also uh, lets a criminal killer dictator named Bolsonaro come to his state when he's wanted in Brazil. Crazy. Yar Bolsonaro, you know who he was. He's a was the president. He's the Donald Trump of, of Brazil. And he just lost an election. And what did they do in Brazil last week? Protest. Had, not protest. They Overthrew. had, they had yeah. a January 6th violent raid in, in uh in Brasilia on the state on the Capitol. Same thing that Trump's people did. But Bolsonaro is sitting there in Florida. What the hell is he doing in Florida? Why would DeSantis let him be there? Yeah, that's why. Instead of worrying about a statue, folks, there's a lot of things to worry about. Man, I, I wanted to ask you so many more questions about so many things, but unfortunately, we do have to wrap things up. One quick question, and I was just thinking about this the other day. When there was segregation, if you were Asian oh, or Hispanic. Well, well, time out. Yeah. There's still segregation, but go ahead. So Yes, yes. I was thinking about that, too, because the actual, by definition, it definitely still exists. Right. They are definitely still placing certain groups of people in certain places. But in terms of like the water fountains and, uh, you know, when they put people in different bathrooms, if you were Asian or Hispanic, which water fountain did you use? Just out of curiosity. You didn't use the white one. Could it? I guess that's, <laughs> I don't know if that's a, were you well, white? No, no. if it said whites only. They could you... try to get away with it. Though I would imagine if I was Asian, I'd be like, well, I, I would. Well, you, know. you ain't white. If it said white only. Don't don't get it twisted. Oh my god! Man, if you are a person of color, don't dare do it. Unbelievable! I had to ask. I had to ask. While we're clearing things up, we're learning the real history every time Joseph Hill comes on this program. And Mr. Hill, where can they find you when they want to learn more from you? I don't know, man. That's Facebook. Come on, you got you're on Facebook, IG. What platform? I mean, you've got documentaries, all this great work. Where can we begin? But I mean, I don't really have a platform per se. I've got uh, one documentary, you know, full length documentary. I actually have several smaller ones. Um, you can go on uh, YouTube and take a look at my uh, um, Red Summer. Uh, Have you thought about making a Twitter? And look at the Red Summer. Um, it's about an hour-long lecture. It covers a lot of things when we look at the summer of 1919. Have you thought about creating a Twitter? I feel like your Twitter would kill it. Yeah, I mean, I know I should do, you know, I know. Uh, here's the thing, man. I'm working on a new documentary, and I'm traveling when I'm not working, and I'm a father and a grandfather, and I got grandkids that play a lot of basketball, and my time is always spent at their games. I mean, there's a lot going on. I'm, I'm trying to do this and and you know live a life. So, I appreciate uh, it, Joseph. But I got to be honest with you, everybody's tweeting. 
one of the qualifications of being an American these days. It doesn't matter how old you well, are. You should be. You know what, Ryan? Since you are my nephew and you're also my technical advisor, I'm leaving that up to you to, you know, set me up on Twitter, man. Should I run the likeness of uh, Doctor of of Joseph Hill of the historian Joseph Hill? I'm going to make the the Twitter account. I'll send it to you, and you just got to tell me what it is you want to say, and you bam, can, that's it. What, you can do whatever you want to do, man. Follow Joseph Hill on Twitter. He might just be there. Everybody, thank you for listening. Up next is this week's edition of What's Going On that can be heard on Fox Sports Rochester. That's 1280 AM on the dial, or just go to the internet, Google it. It'll pop right up. Mr. Hill, I appreciate you as always. MLK, we salute you. Don't go anywhere, folks. We'll be back soon. Yeah, you stink. I seen her on the elevator, honey, grab my kango. She put me on the mega, about to slap the shot crazy verbal. I leaned back like I'm rich. It took place late night on February 17th. Hands flooded like ink. My face on her magazine. Just got back from Honolulu, pocket stacking, book cash. Girlfriend shifting, you would laugh, yo. While I was on tour, you went to work. Quick, fast, had it in the dirt. You couldn't wait just to kidnap the bait of my sperm. Who is you at? Pinky out, she put in my perm That's all you ever said to me Thought that could hold me Remember when I longed you And broke the old you crab Chicken head Eating heroes I'm the first That had you watch the flicks by De Niro You gain crazy points, baby Just being with God Told you how to eat the right foods Fast and don't eat law I gave you earth lessons I came to you as a blessing You didn't do the knowledge What the God was manifesting You sneaky the ways and actions told it all I f***ed you while you was bleeding Held you down in malls Sexually you worship my d- Like of course I had you feet out Broke out for a month you fell off You was my main My peeps showed you up on the street You saw how I got down The way I thought had you trained But you had to f*** the slice the head I should've slapped him But the guard said chill That's your wishful guard Hand through that in the lap I'm wondering how many times Your hot got stabbed You dumb Horny hot from out the mountains, your clientele is love. Catch you next show, bro. I got jerk. Gave away my that hurt. It feel like somebody died or shot your old earth. I you on a chair with three legs, broken tape. Had you screaming while you was biting on my cables. We slid to the washing machine and threw it on spin. If you dry, spit on my and put it in. My the bomb, baby. Marvelous heart snake. Plus, I can see the stalks make the biggest work all race. I'm God. Cypher divine. Love my for fun. That means clean the FDS smell with a shine. Word up. Respect that.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, welcome to another edition of What's Going On, The Experience here with Nate Brown Jr. on Fox Sports 1280 with the crew. And before I get the crew in the building, every every year, first of the year, we kind of get my guy in here. We talk some stuff on society and what's happening in the world. And that's my man, David K. Johnston, who wrote three books on Donald Trump. He has the DC reports whole bunch of other good stuff he's a movie star i saw him last month in a film called where's my roy cohen i get up two o'clock in the morning to get me something to drink i'll see you on tv david <laughs> yeah well that's uh, fitting uh, since i have a face made for radio if i'm gonna be on it's gonna be at two in the morning but no it, but this one kind of got me it's like because i know you and i will talk back and forth and you gave me the lowdown about roy cohen a few years ago but as I'm watching this and you and you're going through it, I'm like, Donald Trump really took his playbook from Roy Cohen. Every oh, word. Absolutely. In fact, Donald called the notorious Roy Cohen his second father. And uh, it is it is clearly a story of someone who wasn't a scholar at all, never studied anything except how to evade law enforcement. And at that, Donald was an A student. Well, well, tell a listening audience, who exactly was Roy Cohen? Roy Cohn was a lawyer who was the chairman, I mean, the chief counsel on the infamous McCarthy committee. Joe McCarthy was this alcoholic uh, junior senator from Wisconsin who would go around saying, I have a list of 151 communists in the State Department, or I have a list of 32 communists in the White House. Mm -hmm. And of course, he never showed anybody any list because he didn't have any lists. And uh, McCarthy, McCarthyism, uh, getting after communists, began in the early 1950s as a term of praise. But by the time McCarthy was uh, demolished by a lawyer from uh, Boston, uh, he was going after uh, the generals of the U.S. Army, that they were all communists and enemies of the United States, and in particular, a soldier. And... Uh, the lawyer simply said, sir, have you no decency? At long last, have mm-hmm. you no decency? And that was sort of the end of McCarthy, who um, died not you know, not terribly long after that. Mm-hmm. But Roy Cohn was the guy, the lawyer on that committee, along with a very young Robert F. Kennedy. Now, stay right there for a second, because a lot of people don't know that, that yeah. Robert F. Kennedy was on that committee, on that little thingy with, with right. your boy Roy Cohn and McCarthy. Right. Although as he got older and when he became the attorney general, when his brother was president, John F. Kennedy, he did use his zeal to go after mobsters and the Teamsters Union, mm-hmm. not to you know harass and persecute people over their politics. Uh, but Donald, when he got out of college, uh, rented an apartment in Manhattan and then reverse commuted out to his dad's business on Avenue Z in the outer boroughs. And 
uh, he immediately met up with Roy Cohn and stuck close by him. And in his first book, uh, The Art of the Deal, which mm -hmm. all the way through, he talks about how he cheats and lies and steals, and yet he got praised for this book. Uh, he talks about how he admired Roy Cohn because uh, he, he was clearly committing all sorts of crimes, but law enforcement never got him. Well, the thing that got me is in the film that Roy Cohen, his like deny, 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 even if they see you do it, if they see you with your hand a cookie jar, you say, hey, that's not me. He looks like me, but I'm thick as me. I mean, like the dude was so good at it. They finally got him, I guess, with some tax evasion kinds of stuff, right? Well, they, uh, the other thing that Roy Cohn taught, and you've seen Donald Trump do this, is if law enforcement comes after you, you attack law enforcement. Right. They're corrupt. They're the ones who are dishonest. Yours, Prior's the driven snow. When Roy was dying of AIDS in uh, 1986, he died. He mm -hmm. finally uh, got disbarred because he had been stealing from his clients for years. Mm-hmm. And but he they, he was never nailed on on any of the criminal charges. Uh, Roy Cohn used to brag that he was uh, two thirds of his life he was under indictment um, or under investigation, and yet nothing ever happened. I mean, he was the real master of evasion. And that's what we've seen with Donald Trump. There's just nobody uh, uh, who's better at it. Now, I wrote a piece in the New York Daily News on January eighth, a Sunday, mm. um, and in that piece. I laid out a very simple way for Alvin Bragg, the Manhattan District Attorney, to prosecute Donald Trump and get convictions. And a number of uh, prosecutors and, and law professors I know have been in touch with me, and they all say that the, they're not sure they would follow that strategy, but my strategy should absolutely work. Uh, the problem with indicting Donald Trump over all of his many tax crimes is you end up, and I've covered trials and seen this, where the mm -hmm. prosecutors say, well, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, under section 6492 subpart BQ17H, when you combine it with, and it's like, what? What Trump did is he filed 26 what are called Schedule C mm -hmm. filings. That's what a sole proprietor, it's what I do for my right. business. Right. And those 26 that he filed while he was a candidate or president had zero revenue, no revenue, but he took hundreds of thousands of dollars in expenses. And the reason that makes for a solid criminal case is that in 1984, Donald did this. That was up to that point in his life, his richest year. Trump Tower had just opened and apartments were right. selling Trump. like crazy mm -hmm. because he would sell to mobsters and cocaine traffickers. He didn't care who you he were. He didn't care. And he, but he charged you a premium price. So per square foot, he was always bragging how much he, money he got. <clears throat> and secondly, his first casino had just opened in Atlantic City, uh, the Plaza Casino. Mm -hmm. And so Donald has all this tons of money flowing into his pockets. And he filed a Schedule C with zero revenue and over $600,000 of expenses. Auditors from the state of New York and the city of New York denied this and said, no, you owe more money. We're not going to recognize this. Donald demanded that he be tried. Now, these are civil, not criminal trials. Right, right, right. Trials. And uh, he had no receipts, no invoices, no calendars, nothing indicating it was, it was anything but a fabrication. And his own lawyer in the city trial, a guy named Jack Mitnick, who had been the tax lawyer and chief accountant for the family for decades, 
was shown the tax return that the city received. And it's a photocopy. It doesn't have what's called a wet signature, you know, with your ink pen. That's right. Wet. And Mitnick looked at this and said, uh, Your Honor, that's my signature, but neither I nor my firm prepared that tax return. In other words, Donald Trump forged his own tax return. He took oh the tax return that was done for him and he altered it. And then he had put the guy's signature on it. That's a crime. And Isn't I don't that a crime? That's a, absolutely, that's forgery. That's and I don't know why he wasn't prosecuted. But in any event, both judges, the city judge and the state judge, ruled that he had engaged in civil, not criminal, but civil tax fraud. Well, Donald was on notice. And we further know that he knew it was wrong to do this because on April 27th of 2016, which is the last of many, many, many conversations I've had with Donald Trump, he called me. I was in this room. You're seeing me in. Mm -hmm. And I brought this up. And he blew up and yelled at me and told me he was going to sue me until I didn't have a, a, you know, a roof over my head. And I said, you know, Donald, if you have a case, bring it. Um, which is what I always said to him when he would do this. And uh, so he was on notice. Well, that proves criminal intent. Now, but just to be clear to your audience, I am not a lawyer, but I've been a professor of law since 2009 at Syracuse University, and I've lectured at law schools all over the world, mostly about taxes and regulation. But, I mean, I understand the, the legal system. You understand some jurisprudence, brother. Yeah. And so, anyway, Donald... Uh, if Alvin Bragg can work up the courage to go after him, uh, these are slam, uh, as close as you'll ever get to a slam dunk criminal fraud conviction. Now, the, the criticism of, I've gotten is, well, there's hundreds of millions of dollars of tax fraud on those returns, and you want to focus on a quarter million dollars or so of it. Yeah, because a jury will understand the issues yeah. and they'll convict. Um, I, I went to a tax trial in 1976 in, in Palo Alto in California <clears throat> where the prosecutors who were sent from the main Justice Department in Washington spent the morning going through all these technical things. And it's five minutes to noon. And the judge says, well, let's break for lunch. And the defendant, a 76-year-old mm -hmm. tax lawyer, says, gets up and he says, Your Honor, I, I, I'd really like to make my opening argument first. and We'll be out of here by 12 noon. And he gets up and says, ladies and gentlemen, everything those gentlemen told you from the government is true. It's all absolutely true. But it's also what General Motors and Hewlett Packard across the street okay. and all these other companies do every day. And all I did was the same thing they're doing. Now, you should be furious and angry that you can do this. But that's Congress allowed this. And to do what these other people are doing, that, that's not a crime. And I, I hope you'll recognize that. And I hope you appreciate that these are fine gentlemen sitting here who are doing the best they can. But it's not illegal to do this much as it offends me as a taxpayer and it should offend you. And he sat down. We walked out of the courthouse. I took the elevator with the two prosecutors and another reporter. And I said, yeah, you guys might as well go home. You've lost. And they were like deeply offended. And of course, the jury took about an hour to acquit the guy. So at the end of the day, Donald understands taxes and tax fraud and how to get away. He doesn't understand taxes at all, Nate. He said but he knows how to get away with taxes. He knows how to get away with it. Yeah, I mean, Donald has said that he is the greatest expert in the history of the world on taxes. Right. Which is 
which is laughable. But he, knows how to, but he knows how to skate the system, though. That's that's, what that's the incredible at. part about it, though. Donald, they, Donald hey, we're going to take a quick break, David. And when we come right. back, I want to talk to you about what's going on with Sleepy Joe. Okay. Now, 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 I mean, we know Trump be sneaking out different kinds of top secret stuff. We get that. But Sleepy Joe, and this and this has been done, like, I think it came out a couple, three or four months ago. Now it's just coming out now. So I'm like, uh, here we go again. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to what's going on. I got my man David K. Johnson in the building. And we're talking all things politics and society today. That's how we do. Look on our place. We'll be right back. Caring for someone with Alzheimer's is a 24-7 job. So we here at Alzheimer's Association keep those same hours. Our hotline is a source for your support this holiday season. We'll be here for you with free social outings, support groups, care consultations, and more. Give us a call at 800-272-3900. That's 800-272-3900. Hello, friends. This is Ryan Vernell with Fox Sports 1280 here to let you know that we are indeed sponsored by Grunt Works Meat Company, a veteran-owned business dedicated to bringing you the highest quality meats at prices you can afford. At Grunt Works, we understand the sacrifices made by our military heroes, and we believe they deserve to be compensated for their service to our country. That's why we offer our competitive prices on all products while still ensuring that our veterans and those on the front lines receive the support they deserve. So whether you're grilling up a delicious steak or roasting a savory turkey, trust Gruntworks Meat Company to provide you with the best meats at prices that give back to those who have given so much. Visit us online today at GruntworksMC.com. One more time, that's GruntworksMC.com. Hey, folks, we are back here. This is Nate Brown Jr. with Fox Sports. 1280 and today we're not talking sports right away we're talking what's going on in the world and i got my buddy here with me today david k johnson johnson from the dc report and um he does all kind of incredible things and when we left off we we're talking about trump but now i want to switch up and get your view on this whole situation with sleepy joe and the reason i call sleepy joe is that people think he'd be sleep but he don't really be sleep it's like an act it's, it's, it's like it's like it's like my grandfather used to act like he was sleeping, but then go in his pocket and he'll punch you in your head. Sleepy Joe reminds me of that. He's like taking a little nap on you, but he got that one left ear listening to, and now he's getting busted with taking home files. Now he sounds like Donald Trump Jr. So now you can't separate the two. It's kind of and everybody wants to say, well, no, Joe's not as bad as Trump. He didn't do so. I'm like. If you take files, you take files. Did Obama take files? I don't know. Well, these are, in fact, Nate, really very different cases, although it's appalling. I don't, don't, don't mistake that. But here's, I think, pretty clearly what happened. First of all, we weigh over classified documents. We put classification stamps okay. and they come in categories on all sorts of documents. The documents Donald Trump took involve human intelligence, the identities of Americans who are working undercover overseas for our national security, or people who are telling us things out of school, like maybe someone in the Kremlin near Putin who's telling us what's really going on in, mm. inside the Kremlin. And apparently the identities of people were involved in these, and they were just left around. Right. The documents that Biden has, which 
stem from when he was vice president to Barack Obama. Uh, we don't know how serious those documents were, but we know that presidents and vice presidents take things in their valise and they go back to the residence or in the vice president's case, uh, uh, the observatory where the president lives, a uh, vice president lives and, or their personal homes. And clearly there's a problem with not keeping track of these documents and checking them in and out. That's where I'm going. This, this is where I'm going. There, there is a misrepresentation. Something the going other, on here. The other, you the don't, other, there's one other important thing. Like document. a library. You know, you got to take a library card, you check it out, bring it back in. All right. And every now and then in the news, you know, somebody returned their library book they took in 1947. And they, and they, and they find you $500 and they go, you know. The difference is that when... They found these documents when they were cleaning out uh, Biden's office at a little uh, a place in Washington that the University of Pennsylvania had set up for him. They immediately notified the authorities about it and turned the documents over. Now, here's where I really fault the White House. There have been two more, I believe, two more findings yes. of documents. Well, you should turn them over right away. And they did that, but they should have waited till they'd scoured his home, his vacation home, you know, the, this office at Penn, any other place he might have taken something and put it all out at once. This is just really Bush League politics. And I don't know who is accountable under uh, the president for this, but anybody in politics will tell you, get all the bad news out, get it out right away. Right, get it out. Because they're doing the drip, they doing the drip, drip, drip thing, and that's not a good look. And in the meanwhile, you know the Republicans don't need nothing for you to drip, okay? Because well, they dysfunctional as hell over here. And I want to flip the script and say to you, now hold up, how do we let? How do we let? Now I know we let Donald Trump in office, but damn it, this George Santos guy, I mean he he is the he is the he is like Walter Mitty. He's Walter Mitty. Yeah. It, I, this is, I can say, the next two years, I think, are going to be the most fun politics in our lifetimes. I, that's why you got to come on every month. You got to come on once a month because it's so much fun. Okay. I mean, George Santos is Walter Mitty. He woke up one day and said, you know what? I think I can try. I'm, I think I'm going to try this. Well, here are the two questions I've been, I've been asking, I've tweeted about, I've asked some of my younger peers in journalism about. How do you know if he's an American citizen? And is his name really George Santos or is he somebody else? Yes. Those are the base questions. I mean, we know everything he tells you is just a lie. The guy is clearly a, a sociopath. He has no regard for any fact or truth. And he's not even troubled by it. It doesn't bother him. But this this is what I'm saying. In the pit, there's nobody else in Congress saying, yo, you got to go, dude. Like, honestly, you're giving us, we already got a bad look. Well, the Democrats you gotta go. he needs to go. No, I'm talking about the Republicans. You got to go. Republicans, but not the leadership. And the reason for that is pretty clear. The they need that vote. Well, the reason Kevin McCarthy is speaker with a four-vote margin, he has 222 members, he needs 218, is that in New York State, where you and I live, the Democratic Party is so messed up that they lost five seats to the Republicans in districts that they should have won. I told my brother that. I said, the Democrats in New York State are such ass backwards. They are really, really, they really need to be smacked around. David. And, and I've, you know, I have said to Nancy Pelosi to her face, we're right up in each other's faces. Uh, you know, you're supposed to be representing the working people of this country. 
but you keep showing up in $4,000 dresses and $1,000 Louboutin heels. Come on, Nance! And, and, and she looked at me and I, when this happened, and I said, Nancy, I'm not expressing any aversion to wealth. I don't have any... It's fine. If you can make money, as long as it's not from subsidies and giveaways of the government, you legitimately make money, more power to you. But, you know... Working class people mostly never have any assets. They're lucky if they manage to have a house and pay it off before they die. And, and you're flaunting it. And you're kind of like yeah. flaunting what you and got. I'm out girl. wearing dungarees once in a while. Well, six months later, Nancy and I run into each other in San Francisco, and she walks up to me. That's why I wore this shirt today. And mm -hmm. she goes, hey, David, look, dungarees. And I looked her up and down and said, yeah, Nancy, $4,000 designer dungarees. <laughs> The Democrats just, they need to connect with working people. And I understand the reason that so many of them fled. You look at the leaders of many of the unions in this country who are overwhelmingly white guys. Yeah. And racism just permeates their existence. And the Democrats go running, the elected ones, screaming away from that instead of saying either, we got to figure out how to work with these people the way they did with the Dixiecrats, the racist Democrats. That's, that's what I would say. Didn't they work with them Dixiecrats and yeah. Strong Thurman and them guys? Yeah, and in the meantime, focus on ordinary people. So if I can, let me tell your audience a couple of things from DC Report that they will have not heard anywhere else that should shock them. And if you've got a pencil and a pen, folks, write it down. In 2020, when Trump was still president, of all the pay raises, Everyone in America got it. about 170 million people had a job at some point during the year. So you just worked three days. I'm counting you as a worker. Okay. Mm -hmm. Of all the pay raises in America, 82% went to people making more than a million dollars a year. Mm. The average raise for everybody who made less than a million dollars a year was $26. That's $26 for the year. That's 50 cents a week. Oh, That's um, a, a, a little over a penny an hour. That's all you got on average. Now, under Biden in 2021, things improved, but they're still atrocious. 29% of all the raises went to people who make over a million dollars a year. And here's another shocking aspect of that. The average raise for full-time workers who make less than a quarter million dollars, that's 97% of full-time workers. Yep. Their average raise in 2021 was $1,600. They needed $2,600 on average to keep up with inflation. So their pay really fell a little bit in real terms. But they got $1,600. How much did the one in 700 workers, this very thin slice of almost a quarter million workers uh, who make over a million dollars a year, how did they make out? Their average raise was $840,000. That's not their pay, that's the raise. That's the raise. Made. Over 500 of them made more than $100 million. Their average pay of the top 506 people was $151 million. And all of this comes from the Social Security Administration, which every year publishes in exactly fine detail all of these boring statistical charts that for Almost 30 years now, I every year analyze them and compare them to the previous year and tell people what's happening. This is a, a this trend has just taken off. And the executives and the high-level managers are basically taking care of themselves and everybody else, uh, tough luck. In fact, I, I sat once next to a banking executive uh, who I got into a conversation about pay because the head of his bank 
uh, Herbank, I'm sorry, it's Herbank, had, had made so much money I'd written about it in the New York Times because it was way out of proportion to the bank's performance. And banker looks at me and says, well, you understand how CEOs really get paid. It isn't anything to do with all those complex con- you know, contracts and performance mm-hmm. and how did the stock do? I said, no, how do they get paid? And they said, oh, they persuade all the rest of us. Remember, this is an executive. Right. They persuade all the rest of us to come to work for less money than we're worth. And then the board of directors shaves off a commission. To the to them. Mm-hmm. Cynical. But you know, we call that, in, we only call that in the hood. Yeah. We call that, we call that getting pimped real good. Yeah. Right. We, we call that getting pimped real, real good. So, so in 2021, if you're a full-time worker, Every time you got a $1 pay raise, the million dollar and up workers got $500. That's the ratio, $1,600 to $840,000 in raises. And this has got to stop. That In just 30 years, the workers making a million dollars or more. By the way, back in 1991, 30 years earlier, mm-hmm. there were only 191 people who made a million dollars. And to get that number, I'm including people who made a half a million back then because that's the equivalent of a million. A million now, yeah. 191 workers making over a million dollars a year in 2021, 237,000 of these workers. And we cannot continue this way and have a stable society. It doesn't mean we shouldn't pay people what they're worth, but when ordinary people don't have unions, yep. and I've been an employer of people, and I have been the head of a, a union and negotiated a contract. You need unions. Unions, Pope Francis, uh, I'm not Catholic, Pope Francis says there is no economic justice without unions. Ordinary workers, almost none of them have bargaining power. I was flabbergasted to find out the other day that, um, because he disclosed it, that I was making 20% more than somebody else at the New York Times who's an equivalent to me in terms of their uh, stature and productivity Mm -hmm. and usefulness. And we had a union. Or it would have been worse because I know people at the Wall Street Journal where they get four or five times as much. Mm-hmm. Hey, David, man, thank you so much for this enlightenment and this education. We got to come back on again, man, because like I said, you said it. It's going to be such a good time the next couple of years in Congress because they are so because they really did put the fun and dysfunctional this time around. You ask Nate and I'll show up. All right, pal. <laughs> OK, man. Okay, okay, David. Happy New Year. <laughs> Thank you, you too, man. Until next time, peace and God bless. We'll be right back with some sports, folks. And Mr. Fox Sports Suave, what's going on? The experience with the crew. Don't go no place. Hello, folks. If you're anything like me, you're probably not very cultured. And when it comes to hanging up art on the wall, you don't know where to begin. Well, look no further. MasachiArt.com has exactly what you're looking for. Jimmy Masachi is one of the few humans on earth that can capture that urban hip-hop energy and turn it into a painting. Take it from me. I have it hanging on the walls in the Hamptons, scaring the hell out of people. Don't believe me? Go to MasachiArt.com and right now, enter in a chance to win some free Masachi Art hoodies by going to the Ryan Show Instagram story and at MasachiArt on Instagram for more details. Now let's get back to our regular scheduled programming. And we are back. Hello, Western New York. This is my first time on the airwaves this morning, infamous Amadeus. Nate's taking a little hiatus. He's exit stage left uh, with David K. Johnson. Go follow David K. Johnson. They got to talk a little bit about politics and life in America, life in Rochester. But Imp, we're going to give the people what they want. They want sports, goddammit. They want to hear Mr. Met himself, a.k.a. Infamous right. Amadeus, come here to what's going on on Fox Sports 1280 Rochester and tell us how he feels about the Mets. The war is on. Steve Cohen versus Hank Steinbrenner. 
what an off season it's been. How do you feel as the number one Mets fan? If? Man, I, I think at this point, Steve Cohen's in a war by himself. Uh, they're not even not even the Dodgers ownership group, which consists of Magic Johnson and every rich man in Calabasas at this point is going to be able to compete with Steve Cohen. When, when Major League Baseball creates a tax threshold and an entire lockout for one Major League owner, you know, as a baseball club, you are in trouble. This is a real thing. Baseball fans understand the threshold that you learned in the 90s with the Yankees and others' teams, the Bulls, even recently with the Dodgers, the Mets are going to recreate this. And it's going to be an exciting time for, for me as a Mets fan because we've been waiting for this since 1969. We're waiting for this to come. So here we are. Great day. It is. It is for you as a Mets fan. And it kind of goes back to this. The son of the king is not the king. And I don't even want to bash Sam Randall because he made some effort. Yeah. He flew yeah. and he saw Aaron Judge. He, he went and met him in person. They say that the owner of the team doesn't have to do this, which I just find yeah. appalling because the yeah. owner of the team does have to do this. And it doesn't just start yeah. with Steinbrenner. If you're going to spend all this money and invest, yeah. whether you're part of an ownership group or not, you want your yeah. team to be number one. You want your team to win. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's not like he did what he had to do, but still – I had some higher expectations. And this is and this just says a lot how spoiled we are as Yankee fans. We got the number one starting pitcher. I know that you can say that you got the number one starting pitcher. You got the Cy Young, the AL Cy Young winner with the Mets. But I still think that Carlos Rodon is a great signing. I think he could be the, yes. the biggest signing of the offseason if it plays out. You're watching National League Baseball. What are your thoughts on Rodon going to the Yankees real quick? Before we get into uh, your Rodon is amazing. I was hoping that the Mets would have grabbed him in Verlander um, to have that lefty piece. Uh, but Rodon to the Yankees. So the Yankees have done an amazing job because they've developed their farm system. You got that young shortstop. You got some young pieces where you necessarily can kind of mimic the 96 dynasty of the Yankees with some young pieces and some veterans, the same way they brought Paul O'Neill in and a few other guys. You have guys in development. So um, to add that piece, and Aaron Judge was a must-have. I mean, you need to make him a lifelong Yankee career. He needs to be a monument park tomorrow. Don't wait for him to retire. Tomorrow, put the monument up next to all the greats. He smashed uh, 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 Harris, uh, Maris's uh, record this year, and he's going to have a lot of pressure on him. When you're coming into the city with a $300 million contract with the pressure of trying to uh, uh, catch 62 home runs, I think he may have a down season this year. In my opinion, I just, I just think it's too much pressure trying to live up to the expectation because now you have the dollar amount attached to the player where he didn't have that previously. So that is, you know, and, and the Yankee fans are ruthless. I'm from the Bronx. Bronx people are ruthless. If you're trash, they're going to let you know. So we may see a down season from Judge, but even if Judge is able to produce 40 home runs this year, you know, you know, hit close to 300, he's a six, you know, eight, nine center fielder. I mean, what more could you expect from this guy? The Yankees are definitely one of the top contending teams. You mentioned how brutal the Yankee fans are. He literally broke Roger Maris's record this year and was booed at Yankee yeah. Stadium during his game. slump in the postseason. We are game. truly the yeah. worst fan base. We're the yeah. best, but we're yeah. the worst. You know, one difference, too, between the old 98 Yankees and right now is that we didn't have an Aaron Judge on that team. No, we didn't have didn't. a guy at that level that could hit 60 home runs in a season. No. We had a well-crafted team of veterans. Like you said, guys like O'Neal. Mm -hmm. We brought in Tino Martinez, Scott mm -hmm. Brocious. But they never yeah. had a guy like Aaron Judge there. Now we have this young core of guys, Anthony Volpe, Oswaldo Peraza, yep. who yep. they can Peraza. move around. What an ultimate utility guy. The Yankees have some serious talent, young and veterans. And, and Donaldson is set for a bounce back year. I know everyone's hating on Josh Donaldson, but I still think there could be a bounce back year. 
But we got to get to the Mets here because I know everyone wants to hear their Bills talk too, but we do have the infamous Amadeus here from Sirius XM. How do you feel about your longtime Met, Jacob DeGrom, going to Texas? Do you feel like you guys are going to miss out? No, I, I actually think, in my opinion, we actually had the better offseason than the Yankees because, to me, Verlander is an upgrade from, from DeGrom, right? So Rodon is an upgrade to rotation. But with, with Jacob DeGrom for the last two seasons, he hasn't pitched. When he pitches, he is the best pitcher in the Milky Way galaxy. You can't even find a pitcher beyond the Milky Way galaxy that is better than Jacob DeGrom, but he cannot stay on the field. With Justin Verlander, you know you're getting a proven Cy Young Award winner. You're um, merging him back with Scherzer. You know he's going to give us 30 starts. You know he knows what it takes to win a World Series and get to the playoffs. And this is the type of thing that we need as Mets fans. Um, so when you look at it on an overall scale, I do think it's an upgrade. I also think that Steve Conan made the best decision and statement to change the culture with the New York Mets fans by letting DeGrom and Correa go. We're not going to take bad contracts. We don't have to do that anymore. We have young talent. We have Alvarez. We have Beatty in the system. We have this uh, young shortstop who's he's pretty tall. He's like 6'6", um, Mauricio. He's short. He plays third. I mean, we have some pieces. And we cannot continue to keep blocking. If we need to learn anything from the Yankees, right, because we're watching them across, we cannot block our young talent to satisfy the craving of fans. It's bad business. And one thing about Steve Conan, he is a good businessman. And I think long-term, these businesses that he made uh, will flourish. You brought some really great numbers to the table about Steve Conan. You mentioned the tax. You said it was how much money that he made in comparison to his overall wealth, 4%. Yeah, so yes. so Steve Cohen and so Steve Cohen and personal wealth is seventeen billion dollars. This is his personal money. So when when sports people are watching what he's doing, this like three hundred and eighty million dollar payroll that he has is only four percent of his income. I mean, this is Walmart money. He's playing with grocery compra money in Major League Baseball. And Major League Baseball was aware of this. That's why they created the Steve Cohen tax to put it into perspective. He owes Major League Baseball over $60 million in tax money, and he doesn't care. It's a new day in New York City. It's a new day in the sports world. There's a new sheriff in town, and you got to get with it. These other teams are going to be right. If I hate to say it, because it, it's like we mentioned the, 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 uh, the uh, son of the king is just not the king. This is the great businessman. Yeah. This is the guy who put it all together. He didn't inherit this business, he didn't inherit this franchise. And this yeah. is no knock on the Steinbrenner family. But this is a great man of our time that has taken this baseball team and of all teams, the Mets, and turned it around and changed the culture within. But we'll see what happens. We'll see if in 100 years from now, the conversation is going to be how big of a turnaround it was that Steve Cohen really had. And we'll see if they can actually buy a World Series. Now, you mentioned Mm -hmm. you don't really mind that Correa left, but that could have been the piece that brought you guys a World Series this year. You know, we we talk about if you're going to be all in, you might as well be all in. Why spend all this money? If you yeah. have all this money, but then you don't put the extra down for Correa, because that could have been what secured. I mean, he still is, I would say, a top five infielder in baseball right now. Yeah, no, he is. But if you look at a production level, Escobar only hit two less home runs than Correa. So Correa is a luxury piece. That's the thing. The New York Mets are in a position that no other sports team are in. We can afford to spend an extra $315 million on a player who has a plate in his ankle as a luxury just for two more home runs and a few more stolen bases. Defense between Correa and Escobar is not really that far apart. The problem with the Mets is that the Mets need a designated hitter. And even to decide what they're going to do with the catching system. The kid Francisco Alvarez, he needs to start this year 
throw him in a DH role and let the kid swing. He's going to hit 30 bombs. 30 bombs. Correa was a luxury, and God bless the Twins, but I'd rather them let him go and us not to have to have this conversation six years from now of how bad of a contract this was. Because this is what it's been like being a Mets fan. We have these conversations. Oh, why don't we let this guy go? We signed Pedro Martinez. We're talking about it two years later. Oh, it's a bad contract. We're still paying Bobby Bonilla a million dollars every year since like 97 or whatever year that was. You know, Mets fans are tired of having these conversations. So I just think that it was a better statement to let them go than to keep them. It's a good point. A better statement for the culture, the changing culture of the New York Mets. And it's scary. It is a scary time to be a New York Yankees fan. I have to say, even though we just signed Aaron Judge, best player in baseball, yeah, you say that he's going to have a drop-off this year. I don't see him hitting 60 home runs again, but I could see him hitting over 50 home runs again. I know the, the uh, analytic nerds out there are mm-hmm. predicting along the lines of 47 home runs, but That's what I, I feel like he's coming out with a vengeance this year. I'm thinking, you know, I still think that overall the Yankees do have a better team than the Mets, right? I mean, the Mets won more games, but when it comes to the postseason experience, the Yankees are built to survive longer in the postseason than the way the New York Mets are constructed. The problem with the Yankees is that you got to get through the Astros. And even though the Astros lost Verlander, they added Abreu, they still added pieces, and these guys know how to win. Go back to the interview when I was here last time uh, uh, during the uh, uh, the All-Star break. I predicted the Astros. The Astros are the team to beat. In, in the National League, it's really a toss-up. You just never know how the postseason was going. I mean, how did the Phillies crack all the way through to the World Series? Are they a World Series-deserving team? You just ignited a fan base. They're going to be a third-place team this year. They're not better than the Mets, and they're not better than the Braves, but they still made it to the World Series. This is and they made some, they made some good pickups in the offseason. They did, they did. Arguably they did. the best shortstop in baseball just went there, reuniting him with Bryce okay. Harper. What, what, what a great GM move by Bryce Harper. People aren't talking about oh. that. Oh no, Trey, Trey Turner, Trey Turner. But the Phillies are going to have problems because they're not going to have Bryce Harper um, for for probably until like August, right? So you're kind of yeah, you're exchanging trade turnout for Bryce Harper. And what Bryce Harper brings production-wise, there are only five players in the entire game that bring that, like Aaron Judge quality level of baseball when he steps into the batter's box. The Phillies are going to be a good team, but they still got to chase the Braves. The Braves did an amazing job. They signed the catcher that was with uh, Oakland, Sean Murphy. They, they got yep. a six-year deal. I mean, they – Huge. What an acquisition down. was that? How did And that went under the radar, too. They got the one player that the Oakland A's – what are they doing in Oakland? What is going on? How do they let this happen? Are they getting ready to gear up and sell that team? There's literally yeah, nobody there. Are. No, I think they are. And I think when you look at sports in general, you're going to see a lot of teams – a lot of things that we saw growing up as kids in the 90s are about to change. And, and you can look at, like, not too much off topic, but look at the WWE, for example, right? World Wrestling Federation. Vince McMahon just sold the WWE to this group in Saudi Arabia. These is that official, were, though, Imp? It is official. He sold the – he sold the. Uh, to, he, he came back, kicked Stephanie McMahon off, and then now he, he put himself back as chairman to collect the, the money he needed to off his company. We're going to see a lot of these guys. Look at the Mets, the Wolpons. They sold the team. These, these teams are going to start to sell. You're going to have different, younger, analytic-driven minds. You know, owners who are into cryptocurrency, owners that are into the way the stock markets travel. And sports 
income is going to triple and quadruple. Remember, we're looking at it as fans, so we judge based on whether the team wins or not. It's still a business. It's about making money. If Steve Conan goes and he spends $385 million on the Mets, but he makes an additional $185 million profit, that is a win for him. Fans, we, you know, fans, we're not spending the money, so we're so invested in our heart. It really is about the bankroll. It is a business, and oftentimes we forget that. Just imagine being an Oakland A's fan, having your heart in it. <laughs> imagine being a Pittsburgh Pirates fan. We feel bad for you. If you're out there listening, let us know how you feel. We're on social media, what's going on, underscore Fox Sports on Instagram. If, where can they find you out there? Oh, at the infamous Amadeus, all social media platforms. Of course, Shade 45, Sirius XM, Thursdays, noon EST, and 3 p.m. EST. And before I get out of here, because this is uh, Rochester, right? So you guys aren't that far from Pittsburgh. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon, back to the Pirates, was a good move for the Pirates long-term because now you have someone you can kind of campaign into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, finally. He's a Hall of Famer. I thought, he, you know, not to go too far off, we got Nate on the way back. We're going to talk a little bit about the Bills, the playoffs. Yeah. It's finally that time. But I thought he was going to be a Met. I really thought McCutcheon was going to be a Met really? by the end of this offseason. I thought he would have been such a good fit in that locker room. Yeah, More locker yeah, room guys are what they I need. Agree. But on that note, thank you, infamous Amadeus. Everybody, stay with us. This is Fox Boys 1280 Rochester. Go nowhere. We're talking bills when we return. Ladies and gentlemen, this time around, the revolution will not be televised. Woo! As we proceed to give you what you need. Oh, nine, brother. Get it live, brother. Ladies and gentlemen of the court. And the hearing against the state of hip-hop versus Jerry Trotter. I present Exhibit C. When I was sleeping on the train, sleeping on Lezzarole Lab out in the rain, without even a single slice of pizza to my name, too proud to beg for change, mastering the pain, when New York was calling southern rappers lame, but then Jack and I slang, I used to get dizzy spells, hear a little ring, the voice of an angel telling me my name, telling me that one day I'ma be a great man, transforming with the Megatron doll spitting out flames, eating whack rappers alive and out chains. I was homeless, fighting, shooting dice, smoking on the corners, trying to find the meaning of life in the corona, till the five percenters rolled up on the and informed them. You either build or destroy, where you come from? The Mac know your projects in the third ward, slum, hum. It's quite amazing that you rhyme how you do and that you shine like you grew up in the shrine in Peru. Question 14, Muslim lesson two. Dip diver, civilizer 85er I make the devil hit his knees and say to our father Abracadabra, you rockin' with the true and living. Shout out the lights out, Josephine, Chewy Bivens Shout out the Baltimore, Baton Rouge, my crew in Richmond Why y'all debating who the truth was like Jews and Christians I was on Cecil B, Broad Street, Master, North Philly, South Philly 23rd, Tasker, 6 Mile, 7 Mile, Hartwell, Brasher Really would pack a U-Haul truck up Put the high beams on, drive up on the curb at a barbecue and hop up out the back like what's up? Kill a robber, take a 
bust up That's why when you talk that tough talk I never feel you You sound real good and you play the part well But the energy you giving off is so unfamiliar I don't feel you We need Sean Miller Hit me up on the phone, said what you waiting on Tip hit me up with a twit, said what you waiting on Diddy send a text every hour on the dot Saying when you gon' drop that first, you taking long So now I'm back spitting that he could pass a polygraph That Reverend Run rocking Adidas out on Hollis Ave That FOI Marcus Garvey, Nikki Tesla I shock you like an ill electric field, J Electra Oh my God, Keep going. They call me J Electronica that. Call me J-Elect Hanukkah, J-Elect Yamaka, J-Elect Tramadon, Muhammad Asalamaka, Rasulullah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala through your monitor. My Uzi still weigh a ton, check the barometer. I'm hotter than the motherfucking sun, check the thermometer. I'm bringing ancient mathematics back to modern man. My mama told me never throw a stone and hide your hand. I got a lot of family, you got a lot of fans. That's why the people got my back like the Verizon man. I play the back and fade the black and then devise a plan. Out in London, smoking, vibing while I ride the tram. Giving out that raw food to lions disguised as lambs. And by the time they get their seat tight and deploy all their henchmen to come at me from the treetops, I'm chilling out at Tweet Stock, building by the millions. My light is brilliant. say great interview with Inf, my brother great interview and also in case you didn't you forgot happy mlk day that's one of the reasons i'm on the radio because of people like Martin Luther king jr that's why we're here right you and i okay right. because it's not the content of our of our skin it's, it's not the, it's the content of our character not the color of our skin that's why we're on the radio and that's why you and i do what we do because we are brothers from other mothers but we love each other and this is what Dr. King wanted us to do in order for us to, to get this society on to the next level. We got to just work together. And as James Brown said, stop talking loud and saying nothing. <laughs> we have a dream on this radio program that people will be judged by the content of their radio show and not. The Come on, man. Show. Come on, let's do it. But great interview. And the one before that we had on my man, David K. Johnson on. And I always thought the year off with him, Ryan. He just does some incredible stuff. His knowledge on 
politics, finances, law. He, he gave me a commitment that he'll be be with us four times a year. So now yeah, I, I can't say that he's the ultimate I got you guys. So I'm excited. But speaking of being excited, give Lamar Jackson his money, man. The, the Ravens are a knucklehead if they don't. The Ravens are knuckleheads if they don't pay this guy. And this is why I have a problem with football players because they they talk about, hey, man, I, you know, it's like I, I give them all and all, but they don't get paid the way they should be getting paid. These guys, the thing you did last week with George, and I was out of town, with Darvin Hamlin, you put that up on YouTube, that was excellent. The point that George made about the impact, you're going to have to start talking about impact because all that is a part of, yo, when, uh, immovable objects. That's science. That's right. The science. Okay. Despite the fact that some of the Republicans don't want to deal with science, it's freaking science, y'all. So, yeah, when you run into each other, it's science. Pay that dude, man. It's Pay science and it's business, and that's what it comes down to. You'd think that. If they were going to make the right business move, they would have already signed Lamar Jackson. Maybe that's the point I'm saying to you. Maybe they're not they don't going to pay him. Maybe they're they really not going to. Maybe they're really going to put the franchise tag on him in 2023, keep him there for a bit, and get rid of him. Let well, him walk. You know what he could do right. He could sit out. And then I mean, have a real problem. I mean, I mean, let's. I mean, at the end of the day, you know what, dude? I'm gonna sit out. I'm a heel. Because I believe if football players do this, and it's going to sound weird, but if they took a year or two off and came back, do you think he's going to pull a Michael Vick? I think he's going to get have a sit down. He's going to. I don't down. mean like that. I don't mean like no. you know anything crazy. But no, take I'm a little about, break, like you said. He's going to take a break. The difference, if you look, Michael Vick. Do you remember what Mike Tyson looked like when he got out the joint? That's what do I'm you saying. Remember what Mike Vick looked like? It was like going to a hyperbolic time chamber. All the right. Dragon Ball Z fans know what I'm talking about. Right. <laughs> in, all, in all seriousness, maybe this is what it needs. It's some time to sit there and recuperate. Your body, your body needs a break from all that trauma. Yes. Think about that for a second. If you let your body get a break from that trauma and then you come back, now mentally and physically, you know how to really not get hit as much, not take as much destruction to your body. So I'm saying either you're going to come back or you're not. Barry Sanders said, I ain't coming back. Barry said, I'm done. I'm 29 years old. Jim Brown said, I'm 30. I'm not coming back. Some guys don't come back because they said, I'm done. Can't blame them. And then then the lifespan of, remember now, the lifespan of a running back is less than three years. Think about that, Ryan. Less than three years. So for all you Bills fans out there, I know you guys are clamoring. I know you're clamoring. You want a Super Bowl, but I'm about to be the one guy in America to tell you you're not going to get it. So you don't think this is going to have a storybook ending? You don't believe no. that the Bills have it in them? No. The Super Bowl. Do you think they're going to make it to the Super Bowl? No. Who's going to stop them? Um, Either Kansas City or Cincinnati. I don't think the Bills are going to get past either one of those teams. I just – I just maybe because I'm – the uh, of peripheral nine Bills fans, I'm a Jet fans and a Giants fan, but I got a weird feeling. I got a weird feeling that the Giants might get to the Super Bowl. I have this weird giant feeling. I do. Well, I will say this: we talked about because this because of the way it lays. Because of the way it lays out. I mean, this is Philly how we always is good. The Giants. Philly is good. 
But the Giants, on a good day, I think, you know, when it's all said and done, I just see I see Kansas City or I see Cincinnati. And I see maybe because 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 the, the 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 NFC is so the NFC is so toss up. It's a toss up. The Giants have arguably the I, I know this is a very hot take, but I think that Dayball could be the best coach right now going into the playoffs. <laughs> what he proved this year with that Giants team and the way that team is behind him. And this could be, you know, history likes to repeat itself from time to time, right? What if we see in the Super Bowl this year, Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs get upset by the New York Giants and Daniel Jones proves that he should be the quarterback in New York for the next 10, 15 years, just like Eli did in his early years. And and to me, and to me, therein lies the story. I know there's a story with Darman Hamlin. I really do with the Bills. It's an emotional story. But if you look at deeper, right, Dable goes to the Giants Right, get them on track. People wrote people have wrote, people wrote off Daniel Jones, including the great Stephen A. They wrote Daniel Jones off. They did. When I say right. Stephen A, I'm gonna say Stephen A. Why you write your brother off? Only person that faith in was Molly. You was giving her the business. He was giving Molly the biz, man. I'm like, don't give Molly the biz. Molly knows sports. You know, you don't respect the female. Etiquette in sports, Stephen A. You got to do it. But at the end of the day, though, the Giants, there's something about that giant team. I don't know what it is. I don't know. Like I said, the Bills, if they get there, but I don't let them get past Pat Mahomes, and I don't let them get past your boy, because you do like Joe Burrows. The dude is good, man. Oh, he's he really is. Ryan, he really is good. And, 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 and like I said, these teams right now are at, at the pinnacle of where they're supposed to be. And I don't know who's coming back with the Bills on their defense. Is Michael Hyde coming back? They say that he is going okay. to return. They say no, Michael Hyde returns. Return. They need Michael Hyde. They need Milano. They need the Milano guy to do his things. Remember that secondary is suspect for Buffalo. So time out to note, we got some reports from uh, the producers behind the scenes. They are saying that he has returned to practice, but now reports are in that he's going to be out. There Ooh. were reports last night of Ooh. Micah Hyde practicing, but now they're saying the veteran safety will indeed be out against the Dolphins later this afternoon. Okay. So that is a pretty big difference, Baker. But the momentum is on the side of the Bills. The story is oh, yeah, on the side of, of the Bills. We saw, the, we saw that yeah. touchdown return. A lot of people thought the NFL no. was rigged until they did two. it again. Two. As a matter of fact, you got to put that up on the two for us. Two. Those two touchdowns, back to back. I mean, they were monumental. Was it an act of God or an act of special teams? That's the no, question. It was, no, it was active special teams because they suck. So, I mean, anytime that the guy runs run it back twice, you're kind of sticking up the joint. But before we go, we're sticking up the joint. Hold up. The Dallas Cowboy fans, honestly, my brother Dean, I love you, but the Cowboys ain't doo-doo. You have to go listen to Outcast. Roses smell like boo-boo. The Cowboys, the Cowgirls, the Dallas Cowgirls. They're offending the young kids out there. I don't care. The Cowgirls, the Dallas Cowgirls, I don't care. The gender thing, Get. I don't care. Get off of that gender stuff. Stop it. They're girls and they're boys. There's us's and them things, I'm, you're, you're confusing me. There's Giants fans and there's Cowboys I mean, fans. There's, 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 there's Giants fans, there's Cowboys fans. 
There's Buffalo Bills. There's Buffalo Jills. What the heck? Come on, man. Stop it. Okay? So the Cowboys, Jerry Jones, you'll never win another Super Bowl. And Dak Prescott is not that nice. He is okay. Now, he might have a return of the Mac like your boy Gino did. You know, Gino came, you know. I mean, he, he's had a well more storied career than Gino. But this no, is a great story that Gino had a comeback. But Prescott is, look, Prescott's a great, I wouldn't say he's a great quarterback, but he's a solid, solid quarterback. But he'll There's never get you, that would love he'll that, never that. get you to the promised land. Well, we don't There's know because we don't have the right team around him ever. There's some quarterbacks. Team. There's some quarterbacks that will never get you to the promise. Jim Kelly, Bills fans, I'm sorry. This is why I give you, you the got four times. This, but they'll he'll never he never got them to the promised land. Was it Jim it, Kelly's fault that they lost four Super Bowls? It was his boys' fault going out being drunk on three of the four of them. Okay, and that's history. Go look that up. You're a youngin. Them brothers were getting toasty with the mosty and not paying attention to what they were supposed to do. That's why the Bills lost those Super Bowls. They went there partying like it was 1999. But is that how they got there in the first place? Because that's that could be a reason. Maybe it was the uh, copious amounts of alcohol that brought them to the Super Bowl. How can you change your lifestyle when it's what brought you there? Yeah, well, you see they didn't win, right? So they needed to take a sabbatical the day before the Super Bowl. Put it that way. All right, so sorry about that, Bills fans, but it ain't your season yet. You might get there, you might, but that, but that, and if that, listen, with the coming of your boy from the Jaguars, what's his name? What's that kid from the Jaguars? On the, the quarterback. Bills? Oh, uh, the uh, the quarterback, the Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence, and the other kid from the Chargers, Justin Herbert. Okay, He's then, quarterback. Okay, so so they have got more young guys. And the AFC that's ready to take on the Bills and Josh Allen. This is what I'm trying to tell you. It's going to be a harder road for the Bills to get there than in the than in the. That's why Tom Brady need to just retire, and Aaron Rodgers need to go to the Jets. If you're listening out there and you want some input, you want to tell Nate how you feel. You want to give us your hot take. Find it. We're on TikTok. We're on Instagram. What's going on? Underscore Fox Sports. Let us know how you feel. Hey, man, we got to get out of here, right? It's that time, but that's the whole point is that we're not really getting out of here. We're just moving to Instagram. So okay, find well, us, follow us. What's going on? Underscore Fox Sports. We got a hell of a week ahead of us, Nate. Yeah, we do, man. And put up some of those little, I like those little videos you put up. Yes. Those are them videos that we're talking about. You know, you know, those, so throw that up there. I like that. That's really cool. Hey, man, remember, have a good MLK day. Okay, try to be better to your to your brother and to your sister. Sorry about that. It's to they and them as well. Okay. <laughs> That's right. Everybody out there, boys, girls, ladies, gentlemen, everything in between. And whoever we'll you be back soon. Whoever you and, and and rest in peace, Lisa Marie Presley. Yes. Oh my that, gosh. That got me right there. That kind of yeah. got me. Because I kind of watched her grow up. It's wild when you watch like I watch her, Michael Jackson. When those people die before me, it's kind of weird. Yeah, that's a sad one. That is a sad that's, one. That was kind of sad to me. That was sad. That was sad. And and listeners, follow me to my platform. I'm on uh, The Ryan Show. I'm Ryan from The Ryan Show. A lot of you don't know that. People think I'm just Ryan V from The Hamptons. I'm also Ryan from The Ryan Show. <laughs> Google The Ryan Show. Every week we have a whole bunch of great guests on. Myself, Mr. Sheeks, and Hamptons Dave. 
And Nate, as always, it's such an honor to co-host this show with you. Appreciate you inviting we'll me on as always, brother. We'll be getting in until next week. Peace. God bless. See you.